Sometimes people can be curious about my journey into ordained ministry. Uh, Violet and I haven't spoken about this, but it's a good guess that she's been questioned about this from time to time as well. Is that right? Yeah. As people come to know us, their curiosity is tweaked. How did you decide to get ordained? And uh, this can be accompanied by a sense of incredulity. As in, you seem so normal. (laughs) You know, I mean, how did that work out? What went down for you? And this is especially true in a place like New York City, which the Barna Research Organization tells us is among the least Bible-minded cities in the U.S. I often feel like a uh, curiosity out and about in social settings and so on as a result. And you know, even among Christians, the standing of clergy can run the gamut from sorry loser to exalted man on a pedestal. And I say man intentionally because Violet, of course, has the added feature of being an ordained woman, which carries its own special freight in many Christian environments and beyond. True? In the ordination discernment process, elder clergy like to ask the neophytes to tell them about their call. It's a big deal in the process. They want to hear a clear description or delineation of God's claim on their life as an authenticating requirement for ordination. (coughs) If pressed, Violet and I each have a well-rehearsed story to tell about this. That's what happens with candidates. They get very well-rehearsed on this because they are asked it relentlessly. But having been on selection boards and committees over many years, I can tell you that a dramatic call story is not the only or even principal criteria for ordination. I've been in the position more than once of explaining to an earnest candidate that while I'm quite certain God has called them to something useful in life, they should consider a role other than that of ordained clergy. Over the years, I've had a lot of conversations with people about what it means to be called something to, in, to be called something, to be called to something in life. Something useful, meaningful, relevant to them and to others. I'll often say that our tradition teaches that the God who created all calls all. I believe that, as in in as many different voices as there are different types of people, no two outcomes identical. In a sense, for some, the call is like finding one's true home, psychically, spiritually. This may or may not have anything to do with the content of one's actual work. It might, but it might not. 
showing up at church often has something to do with this. Spiritual author and seeker Frederick Beekner put it this way, and every person who's in ordination hears this at some point or another, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Or this, go where your best prayers take you. Go where your best prayers take you. If you do that, you'll be responding to God's call on your life. You know, one of the enduring riddles of the life of Jesus concerns his selection of disciples, that core group that he picked to follow along his path. We know few details about the twelve unexceptional men closest to him, and we know there were there was a group of women who were also part of the inner circle. We know that as a whole, these friends didn't have a well-established pedigree. They didn't have a great resume. Some had borderline relationship with the laws of government and religion. As the story is told, what do you suppose Jesus looked like when he called those first guys Violet read about earlier? I'm imagining he looked very much like the village carpenter with rough, strong hands, similar to fishermen's hands. I imagine he had spoken to these men before, maybe along the shore as they were cleaning their nets. And in the course of conversation, I'm thinking Jesus did what he did better than anyone else. He related their lives to the things that matter most. You know, given how we've cleaned him up and mythologized him to a fairly well, building extravagant marble-encrusted buildings like this one in his name and emblazoning, emblazoning his image in glittering mosaics, it's useful to remember that he didn't appear walking out of the sunrise making sacred esoteric pronouncements accompanied by a heavenly chorus. So these fishermen might be sufficiently impressed to drop everything and follow him into the sunset and beyond. There were absolutely no production values in his encounter. None. No lights, no music, cameras, and falderall. Just searingly honest human engagement. Boy, how refreshing is that to contemplate, is it not? Searingly honest human engagement. For some people, the expectation that God's call is reserved for a select few who have highly refined ears is a tempting scenario that honestly keeps them at a safe distance from spiritual engagement. For others who have practiced a religious discipline, the expectation that God will speak in dramatic or ought to speak in dramatic tones at unusual times and places, preferably accompanied by a small miracle or two, 
keeps their attention fixed everywhere, but on the very specific content of their daily lives, right where they live. In this sense, their religion can become a bit of a distraction, actually. It seems that Jesus was an uncommonly wise carpenter who found his voice as he grew in years until one day it became clear that you really had better listen when he spoke because if you did, you wound up learning things about yourself and the world that completely altered the goal of your life. And the uncanny thing was that no one was excluded from his concern. You know, he had confrontational things to say about some folks, but it seemed all he really wanted was to shake them out of their hardness and rigidity, their pride and their arrogance. So for the first time in their lives, they might hear something that actually made a difference. In the recorded stories, we hear him saying, that the Spirit of God could be found in very homely settings. Again, no production values. In the tale of a shepherd, or a farmer, or a tax collector, even an embezzler and a prostitute. All the types of people there are. And in our day, those we could meet at a bar, or a cocktail party, or at work, or on the street, his stories dealt with mundane life into which everyone might read the content of their own lives. In fact, we can't really hear this voice except how it finds connection with our daily experience. That's what makes it so dangerous and simultaneously so spectacularly hopeful. Well, coming to a place like this, I say, has great value, where, when we're at our best, we uncloak the truth and make ourselves available to it. Up there and out there, beyond these walls, is where you spend out your lives, where you work and invest your time and your money and your energy, where you eat and drink and make sense of your sexuality and attempt to find true love and use your bodies for good or ill. Raise children, grapple with death. That's where you do it daily, out there. That's where God's claim on your life has real impact. I'm thinking that if God's call does not have meaning out there in your daily lives, it hasn't yet been heard. Quite a few years ago now, I saw a documentary of Mother Teresa, who you will remember founded the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, India, and for five decades ministered to the poor, the desperately sick, orphaned and dying, establishing worldwide renown for their compassionate care. The film stuck in my memory because 
The wife of a famous television producer, a woman well-known for throwing brilliant parties, interviewed her. It was an interesting contrast. As soon as the interviewer appeared on screen, it was obvious that she had given tremendous attention to what she would wear. She was evidently reaching for a mixture of elegance and simplicity, looking for a way to fit in with such austere conditions while showing taste and flair at the same time. I suppose the cynic might think she seemed bent on using a background of human suffering to make a fashion statement. But within maybe 20 seconds of the start of the interview, Mother Teresa was asking most of the questions. Her concern and tenderness for the interviewer showed in her every expression and gesture. At one point she reached up and brushed some hair out of the interviewer's eyes as a mother might do for a child. And the viewer could see the hands of this socialite were trembling. And I'm thinking some depth of pain and need were being touched by the only force that is ever allowed to strike that deep. Love and truth together. Have you ever experienced that? strikes deep. The interviewer didn't expect what she got in her conversation. Going about her business, she was surprised to hear something more profound than the details of an arranged conversation. She heard a voice, I'm thinking, that spoke to her. To her. Calling her. A voice that went deep under her skin, covered with such elegant good taste. And her hands shook. On a day we welcome new friends into our family, it's useful, even important, to say that there is no more likely candidate to hear God's voice than you. No more likely candidate than you. In fact, so far as your corner of the world is concerned, you are really the only real candidate. The call comes in a wide variety of voices. You can hear it in scripture. You can hear it in a sermon. You might hear it in music. I've heard it in music all throughout my life. You can hear it in nearly any occasion through a vast array of mediums walking out of, onto the street or onto the subway, for instance. Or perhaps you hear it in your sleep. Maybe you awaken one morning to realize the voice has been speaking actually for quite some time, only you hadn't heard it until this very moment. And the air seems to tremble. Or maybe your head's.
Here's a test as to whether or not you've actually heard it. Because you're probably wondering. Have I heard this voice? Here's a test. If you heard it, you know you cannot stay the same. Something's up. Something important. You sense there's a truer version of yourself just up ahead. And you sense that if you gave it a second to think about, you'd recognize this was resonant with your very best prayer. <laughs>